Our guest, our guest today is the well. She's done just doing a lot of lot of things, but t- t- including being a writer, broadcaster, disability and appearance activist. But today she's here wearing her hat as the access and inclusion officer for the Melbourne Fringe Festival. It's our pleasure to welcome to the boldness, Carly Finlay. Hello, Carly. Hey, Finn. So, um, tell us. Tell us what does the what, what's the what does the access and inclusion officer do at the fringe? Because you've only just started. I have. This is my fourth day. Um, probably many more days when this goes to air. Um, <laughs> I am helping both um, performers or artists and um, audio, also audiences. Um, access the fringe better so uh the festival is in in september for 18 days and uh i'm helping audiences uh you know access the festival so working with venues to make sure their venue their uh premises are accessible you know you know some of the venues might say yeah you can get in the door um, but then there's no accessible toilet. So, you know, making sure that the, when the venues say they're accessible, they're really accessible uh, and working with them to guide. Um, also providing some um, support to performers or so uh, to register and to, um, you know, make the most out of the festival for them and also providing some guidance both to other artists, so non-disabled and deaf artists, and also um, the wider fringe team. Uh, Carly, how do, what yep. sort of support uh, um, would a person with a disability uh, who's a performer be able to maybe possibly access with Melbourne Fringe? Sure. So um, access in using the website, in registering, um, perhaps getting early um, early access to the venue to be able to see or navigate how um, the venue is set up. Right. So, like with accessibility, what about things like Auslang interpreters? Sure. Yeah. Well, that that's really important. Um, I think. And and sorry, forgive me. I'm only a, a few days in, but um, the Fringe Festival is an open access festival, which means anybody can um, register and apply. And not all um, events, not all performances, will have Auslang. But obviously, I can encourage people to get Auslang when needed um, or, you know, not when needed if if they think that an inclusive performance is what they want, is, to, do. Is what they want um, to do, yeah. Yep. What, what um, so in terms of, um, in terms, terms of the barriers that art, artists might face when, when it comes to f- finding a venue or, or, or getting their performance to, or getting their performance to 
a stage where it's ready to be ready to be performed. If if you pun the poor language, there what what sort of what sort of barriers what sort of barriers are in their way? Um, well, the venue for a start, you know, a venue might not be accessible to get in. Um, also, perhaps they might not know where to start to get an Auslan interpreter or um, audio describer. So um, the fringe, in my role, I can help them to, um, you know, find that sort of stuff. Um, also, not really knowing the industry, maybe, you know, maybe some artists are brand new and, and don't know um, producers and developers, um, sorry, directors, and I can help them get in touch and, and develop their career a little bit. Because you, you've, you've also found, you've also been around the, the arts scene for, for, a, for a while yourself. Yep. Have, you found, have you found there's been any barriers for you in terms of finding places to perform? Um, my access needs are a lot different to my co-performers, so, you know, a lot, a lot less. Um, but in terms of, you know, being involved in a performance troupe with people um, that have many different impairments, I've certainly seen it. I've seen it where, um, you know, there might not be enough space to wheel down the hallway or the accessible toilets might not be um, close to the backstage area, um, I've definitely experienced cold venues. That's one of my access needs, you know, where there's not enough heating or perhaps the lighting's too bright or something. So, yeah, definitely. And I think um, it'll be really great to, you know, from the start work with venues to, to talk about the varying needs. Well, Carly, what about this perspective is that, like around entertainment, creativity and the arts, is that quite often or sometimes people can be subjected to maybe online harassment and bullying. Would that be part of maybe in ro- the role which you might have is about what strategies to put in place if a person has a disability when they receive feedback which has mm. an effect on them? Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess as part of the fringe will be, um, you know, that the social media or the media team will be moderating comments, but if they're directed to... Um, towards the performer perhaps on their own social media account or the fringes um certainly i think that resilience will be one aspect of or resilience building will be one aspect of of training or guidance we give yeah look it's it's just one of those um it's one of those subjects those touchy um topics which people really don't like to talk a lot about but in creativity, like, for example, is that I know that I've, I realised that in your life you've actually developed a lot of resilience mm-hmm. and I thought that uh, maybe um, the, you'd be able to maybe give more insight into it. Yeah, sure. So how to build resilience with online interactions. That's right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess you, you need, if you're in a public space performing or online, tell someone and tell someone that you trust and tell someone that, you, that knows social media. And also, um, uh, you know, if you are getting the, the sorts of comments, you can choose to do two things. You can, you can choose to um, ignore them or you can choose to take them on if you feel comfortable. Yeah, look, look and that's just fun. Look, and that is part of um, really, I believe it's actually part of entertainment is actually to actually have those type of interactions with people because like sometimes that I've had rather unusual comments people have directed at me and I've had people actually come and say I know you from somewhere and it works both ways but like with Melbourne Fringe Festival like I think it's a fantastic initiative that Melbourne Fringe Festival has put together to come up with this particular role and Mm -hmm. 
um, like the boldness did talk to Simon Abraham, chief executive officer last year. Yeah. And I just said, this is great because Simon Abraham spoke about things having a tactile um, interactions uh, with people where people could actually go and um, find out things. He, he talked about the wheelchair accessibility mm-hmm. and now um, the role which you've got there, how to include more people with disability mm. to in- encourage that very diverse community. Yeah. I think that one of the things, you know, one of my goals, the the role is a three-year project and it's sponsored by um, Lord Mayor's Charitable Trust and also um, the Gandalf Philanthropy. And um, I think that my one of my um, long-term aims in this role is to talk with other uh, arts organisations and festivals in Melbourne to work out how we can share the learning from... And it's what prob- we do at Fringe. Sorry, and it's, it's probably also um, the 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 ideal situation for that job job role to be redundant. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what uh, when I was in my first staff meeting and, and introduced, um, that's what Simon said. You know, it'll be ideal if in three years access and inclusion was just a regular part of the job. And that's how it should be with mm. with all roles. Well, it's, and it's kind of like it's um, nice um, that that's actually that little thing to be that good that you actually share information, go on to uh, bigger and better things yet again, Carly. But like, what are some of the goals that you hope to achieve? Yeah, um, I think that it would be great to see um, the proportion of performers who are disabled and or deaf um, represent the population. So you know, a twenty percent population, 20% of the population has a disability or is deaf, it would be great to see that represented in Fringe one day um, and in all arts festivals and also the the same with the audience population. And I think it would be really great to know that performers and audience are comfortable in both um, finding out information about Fringe, the accessible aspects, and um, and also about attending as a performer or as a um, as an audience member, I think we have to make it a really welcoming space. I would do, and like I said, Melbourne Fringe Festival is a big part of it. It's dependent on people actually understanding the application process too, which is part of the role. Now, the applications for, I think, Melbourne Fringe in 2018, they close, I think it's around the third week in March. Um, I think it's in the applications registrations open in in April, and I think it runs. Yep. Um, I think it runs for a month. Right. And, and what's the what's the is there is it a is it di- is it a different a difficult application process or straightforward? Or? I believe you apply online. Um, applications, as I said, haven't opened yet, but we've put a teaser on our website about when when applications open. So um, if people are listening and, and want to apply, just wait till um, April for the, you know, official registration to open. But, but also give us a call um, to see, uh, you know, what's involved as well. And uh, I'm not sure what the number is because it's not on my piece of but, paper. But, I'm sorry. We'll put it up later. That's it. Well, I was wondering, <laughs> we'll include that in the podcast description that we'll put the number to call Contact Melbourne Fringe. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, probably a good place to start would be the Fringe Festival website. And if you're not sure what that is, because I'm not. It's uh, melbournefringe.com.au. There, there you go. Just just, uh, just go to melbournefringe.com.au and hopefully you'll find all the details you need there. Um, 
So our guest, our guest tonight is Carly Finlay, who is the Access and Inclusion Officer for Melbourne Fringe, amongst many other roles she has. Um, with uh, so um, with the festival, with the festival, mm-hmm. uh, do you hope also that um, audience, audience, or audiences will want more from, or will expect more from disabled performers? As, um, as they as they see more of them, as mm-hmm. they're more exposed to them, and and see what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be great to see, um, you know, disabled performers, disabled and deaf performers, just in incidental roles. You know, not necessarily around disability uh, topics, but it would be great to see um, them in a lot more roles, and you know, it just become the norm. Because I, I mean, uh, taking this away from fringe from. A second and and mm-hmm. uh, toward popular culture. At the moment, there seems to be a glut of um, m- movies and m- movies ab- about disability, where mm. the roles are not played by people with disabilities, or they're framed in such a way where that the the narrative is is one of one of pity mm. and. Surely we have to get to a point where a people with disabilities play those roles, and mm. b b where, where where we can be a little bit more exciting with or more more um expansive with our our narratives, and actually you know go out, think outside the square and uh, not just think people with disabilities are objects of pity. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I tweeted about that the other day when I was watching Neighbours and, and I said for once I'd love to see um, a disabled character in in a soap as uh, someone that's really empowered and loved and because uh, at the moment there's a character who isn't, is, is getting bullied and while that's a real-life situation, it's rare we see someone that's empowered or even even a bad person or, you know, ha- have some sort of, um, I don't know, three-dimensional... <laughs> personality but I think with Fringe as well the um, the performances are so diverse and, and also so risque and um, you know spanning a lot of uh, across a lot of marginalized groups so I hope we do see some really exciting things coming from performers uh, look as I'm look I totally concur um, with you uh, Carly mm-hmm. I mean it's like one of those things that like it is a big bugbear that people with disability generally will not have the same access or inclusion or opportunities in, in other um, workspaces, let alone a very challenging industry such as entertainment. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that people with um, a disability have got a great deal to offer, more so than maybe the mainstream population, because art and creativity and entertainment quite often is something which they are very passionate about and about developing their talents to actually work with other uh, people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the, the avant-garde nature of Fringe, will, um, I think, will in- allow that and allow um, disabled and deaf performers to really flourish. Well, it does. Like, um, like the one about people that are actually maybe uh, deaf and hearing impaired, that there is a huge cultural perception and that 
that art is a very, very, very big part of what their actual lives are and the opportunity to participate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And I think um, I think it was in 2016, um, Deferent Theatre participated in Fringe and they ran the Vagina Monologues, which was very successful. And again, not the um, narrative that we're used to seeing mm-hmm. in, in mainstream media, which is great. I just like disability, sexuality, a uh, very, very big topic, disability, mm-hmm and relationships and that's the sort of things like about Melbourne Fringe about maybe the inclusion and diversity of it too like even from a maybe another slightly different perspective I'm going to raise the possibility about maybe does Melbourne Fringe work in conjunction with maybe the National Disability Insurance Scheme over about if a person has an NDIS plan about making that very, very inclusive and seeing how they can work together? Um, I don't know if we do now, but certainly it might be a possibility in the future if someone has um, has arts in their life goal plan. I'm not sure. Yeah, look, I was just putting it out there because, mm-hmm. like, the NDIS is there as well. Mm-hmm. and But Arts Access Victoria do, and Arts Access is correct. a partner of Fringe. Yep. Well, that's exactly right. What so just and just um just jumping round round a bit again with um with uh, ableism as well it also seems to be a key feature even if the film isn't prim- primarily to do with or film or TV show or book isn't primarily to do with disability there still seems to be some ableism creeping into mm. films as well which. Yeah, absolutely. Which probably wouldn't be tolerated if it was another ism. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know whether you saw three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, but Peter Dinklage was one of the stars. And while he was fantastic, uh, a lot of ableism was directed in him, at him in the film. It was it was indeed. Now, now sadly, we're, we're coming very close to having to, to wrap up. So if if people want to... Um, if people want to, to, to... Well, actually, no. Is there any... Final thing do you want to say about Fringe? Um, just that, you know, we really encourage disabled and deaf performers to um, contact us. I'm at Carly. Um, you can email me, carly at melbournefringe.com.au or go to the Melbourne Fringe website, melbournefringe.com.au um, and um, contact us for advice on how to register. Um, look out for registrations to open in April and um, get your performance plans together. And we encourage everyone to uh, not only perform. We encourage people not only to perform at Fringe, but also to, to go and have a look at some shows. Absolutely, it's on um, from the thirteenth to the thirtieth of September. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Carly. Thanks for having me. For and you I'd also here. like to say thanks very much, Carly, for coming in because with your new role. There'd be a lot of media requests, and it's glad that people with disability are actually getting attention in the media about what's actually on offer. Thanks for making the time to talk with us. Great. Thanks for having me, Raphael. Cheers. And our next guest today is filmmaker, filmmaker and, well, disability archivist, you might say, and historian Sarah Barton. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Finn. Um, Good to be here. <laughs> now, you're uh, tra- travelling traveling in a car this evening, which is all, always fun. Now, now, um, but that's not why we've got you you on the show, funnily enough. Um, 
You're actually, you're actually, you're actually, yeah, yes, you're actually here to uh, tell us about a day in memory of the late disability activist, the late Stella Young, who was a disability activist and comedian, writer, broadcaster, and just about everything else you'd care to mention. For those that don't know Stella Young. Tell us about tell us a bit about about it. Well, you know, Stella was a good friend of of all of us, and um, you know, her star shone very brightly for a while. Um, she was um, well. I, I first got to know her as the producer of No Limits when she came along and um, and really sort of got uh, her training in the media by being on No Limits, and, and it was very quickly evident that she had a real talent. Um, she had a great sense of humour, she had a quick wit, she was very smart and she was really engaged and interested in disability rights and advocacy. So, um, you know, we miss her a lot all the time. She was a dear personal friend as well as a professional colleague. And um, I realised that uh, coming up on the 24th of February, it would have been her 35th birthday. And um, because it's a Saturday, we thought it was a really great opportunity to just really remember her and celebrate her life um, and I had been approached by ACME uh, they were interested in doing a couple of screenings of my documentary Defiant Lives and I said to them well look why don't we um, try and do something on Stella's birthday and, uh, and, and put together a little afternoon where we can just remember her and celebrate her life so um, not only we've got a screening of Defiant Lives at 4 o'clock at ACME but before that the real fun is that um, we've managed to get permission to use a space at Fed Square called the Amphitheatre, which is just the, the entrance uh, on the green sort of fake grass area off Flinders Street. And we're going to do a bit of dancing, really, from 2 o'clock on the 24th of February in memory of Stella. And, and the whole event was really inspired by um, what happened after her memorial service. Um, as some of your listeners may re recall, um, there was a huge memorial service for her at um, Melbourne Town Hall in the weeks after she died quite suddenly in 2014, 2014 yes. And, um, and after that memorial service, uh, some of us went down to Fed Square where they had a DJ and dancing. And, and really, we took part in something that was an incredibly joyous, um, celebration of her life. Everyone got dressed up in their brightest colours and there were people in wheelchairs, there were people with assistance animals, there were friends, lovers, support workers, whatever. We all got together and we had a fabulous boogie. And so we thought we'd do it again and just get down. And really, it's a sort of demonstration of disability pride. It's, it's about being proud about who you are and celebrating, um, you know, if, all, all the diversity of, of the people that we are. So that's what we're doing. That's that's the long answer. Yeah. Um. So, but why why is it important to show show a level of disability pride? Well, I think um, you know, a lot of people think that disability is something that should be hidden away and 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 not something to be proud of. But um, you know, a lot of uh, minority and, and movements have have a sense of pride that they instill. And I think, um, you know, disabled people can be proud too. I think some some people find it a strange thing 
the notion of disability pride, but it's certainly something that uh, has a lot of uh, following. I've been to uh, the Pride Pride March. I've, I actually took part in the Pride March in Philadelphia last year, and it was an incredibly wonderful event um, where disabled people marched down the streets of Philadelphia, and then they had a, a concert afterwards, and it was honestly just a fantastic day. And so we thought that we would start something small in Melbourne, which is, is the same kind of disability pride idea, where disabled people can come out and, and be proud of who they are and, and be part of a community and, you know, be seen and, and, and have some fun. And so for people that want... And so and this, this notion of disability pride really does uh, sum up Stella's... Life pretty, life pretty well, doesn't it, Sarah? Well, yes, she, she uh, took the Laura Hershey quote from Laura Hershey's poem, You Get Proud by Practicing, and had it tattooed on her arm. And uh, I know many other activists who had the same, same phrase tattooed on their arms after Stella died. And uh, I think, you know, you've got to practice your pride, and what better way than to get out in Fed Square and, and, and dance? In public, and and they also they and afterwards we uh, people also get to see your f- film as well. For those that haven't seen your film, do you want to tell us briefly what it's about? Yes. Yeah, so Defiant Lives um, it is screening at four o'clock at Atmere, which is just in Fed Square, so that's sort of convenient for people. It is a ticketed event, so people do need to buy tickets for the film, but not for the dance. The dance is free. And Defiant Lives is actually a documentary that um, charts the history of the disability rights movement. So um, it really tells the story of the activists in Australia, in the UK and in the the United States who um, really, you know, sort of fought for all the access. Many of the things that we take for granted too, like um, curb cuts on our corners and accessible public transport, um, there are many sort of basic things that those early activists fought for. But of course, you know... um, the activists are still fighting for um, things like the NTIS and in America, you know, decent, affordable care, medical care, that sort of thing. So the fight goes on. Uh, but Defiant Lives is really about giving people a sense, a, a sort of foundation understanding of what the disability rights movement is all about. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a feature-length documentary and it's, it's, it's one of those films that's educational and enjoyable and entertaining. I can I can vouch for that myself. Now, just before we we do need to wrap this up, Sarah. But uh, just if you could just tell tell me when is the uh, when is when is the when is the event and also when did you film? So so the uh, the day that we're talking about is Saturday the twenty fourth of February, uh, two p.m. at the Amphitheatre at Fed Square. Um, Disabled people and their friends, family, lovers, whatever, assistance animals, everyone's welcome to come and dance in Fed Square. And then if you'd like to see Defiant Lives, it will be screening at Acme uh, at 4pm. And we also have another screening the following Saturday on Saturday the 3rd of March, also at Acme at 4pm. So if you can't make it on the 24th of February and come along and celebrate Stella's birthday with us, then um, you can certainly come the following uh, the following Saturday. I should add also that on the 24th of February we'll also be having a Q&A panel um, at the, after the screening um, and so, you know, some discussion around the film. So it's, 
you know, it's a, it should be a really interesting event. Fantastic. Well, th- thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, Sarah. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. No, no, no worries. <laughs> In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. Now.